Welcome back to the Bible Reading Podcast. I am your host, Brianna Shawnette, and I am joined by the amazing, the lovable, the incredibly supportive <laughs> Nessa Goss, <laughs> best friend in the world. How are you doing, Nessa, today? Doing good, feeling good. We just celebrated our eighth anniversary yesterday. Ooh, so eight years is a long time. Yes. How do you feel? Feel good. Do you feel like you've been married for eight years, or do you feel like, ah, uh, still it's in like, the honeymoon phase? It's like a mixture mixture you know some days you're like oh i love you so much other days like yes. but you still <laughs> jesus you know yes all <laughs> so the things it's good. yeah <laughs> well i'm so happy for you guys congratulations to matt and nessa and then um are you guys doing anything fun for your anniversary no just going went to dinner on well, tuesday fun. yeah, yeah. <laughs> on tuesday we went to dinner for yeah. the first time well I mean, our one's been watched before, but mm-hmm. as an older baby, it was the yes. first time in the evening where she's been watched, so that went good. And then, yeah, so just a good night, little time out. I'm so glad. Um, many people don't know this, but your anniversary also falls on Robbie's birthday. Yes. So um, we celebrated Robbie's birthday as well, and it was awesome. We went to Juicy Crab. He ate his heart out with seafood, and it was incredible. It was amazing. But you guys do not come here for that. You guys come here <laughs> for us to read the Bible and to inspire you guys to read your Bible every day. Zero excuse. Yes. Um, we know that the podcast does not come out every single day, but we hope that every Wednesday you guys tune in and it just mm-hmm. inspires you to to get into the word, get into these stories because yes. you need it. Yes. It's crucial. It's important. And we enjoy doing this. We genuinely do love doing this. Mm-hmm. And speaking of love doing this, yes. um, we are coming up on almost a year. Like we're, we're rounding the corner. Like we're, yeah. we're six months, a good six months in. And we say that all the time, but um, we're six months in from taking this thing over. And the person we took it from <laughs> over <laughs> is actually here with us today. Woo-hoo! Please welcome back after several episodes and guests and twists and turns. Please welcome back Pastor Mark Evans from mm, Believer's Church. Yes. <laughs> the OG. The OG. Welcome back to the Bible Reading Project. <laughs> Open to inspire you to read your Bible every Every single day, zero excuse, and I hope it's working. Yep. Thank you, ladies. That You're never incredible. Gets old. <laughs> right? I, you took I it over just, in January, yes. and look at you at seven months in. Yeah, I know. It's and some crazy. of your topics have been rather inspiring. Oh, that's good. Do you, you have tackle a favorite? some good stuff? Well, I think the homosexuality was yeah. yes, it was intriguing. Oh, yes. yes. For sure. We, y'all already know, we loved having Caroline and Rashad here um, sharing their testimony. We have plenty of great episodes. And Pastor Mark, actually, you recently have done a sermon series um, regarding family and mm-hmm. the effects of the LGBTQ community. So you guys definitely go and check that out on YouTube. We'll, yes. we'll put it somewhere, but yes. definitely go check it out. It was very well done. Um, definitely blessed me, I know. So um, we're just happy to have you here. Yes. It is an honor to be here, <laughs> especially on a topic like today. Like, yes, I feel like you sucked me into a topic. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, you want to show up and be our guest? I'm like, yeah. And then I get here. We're talking about go ahead and say just say the word. It's a dirty word, but say it anyway. Yes, we're talking about masculinity. No, you're not. We're you're talking not. That about is a lie. say the word, say the word. We're talking about biblical masculinity. No, say the word. You know the word. Toxic we're also masculinity. Toxic masculinity. <laughs> so yes. this will be a two-part episode. Once again, um, you guys know when we've got our guests here, we yes. always have a little 
two-parter. So anything that we say, if it sounds like it ends on a cliffhanger, it's because it's a two-part episode. Right. So hold on to your horses. We'll have Pastor Mark back with us by next week, and it's going to be good. Um, We've been wanting to do this topic for a minute. We thought about... Two women together or with a woman guest. Attacking a man. Yeah, we can't. No, I mean, are y'all going to do toxic femininity? Will you do that? (laughs) How about you let me do one called toxic femininity and invite you two back? That sounds great. That would be so fun. You know what? And I would like to ask some very poignant (laughs) questions to women. We might as well. Y'all know how we are, so we might do that. We all need each other. (laughs) We all need the word, and we all need each other. We all need Jesus. Amen. Amen. But yes, um, we are definitely going to be tackling biblical masculinity and toxic masculinity yes. um, in these episodes and we thought that Pastor Mark would be the gr- the best person to do it with exactly. and we've wanted to tackle this topic for a minute because it's such a you know it's such a relevant topic to talk about mm-hmm. um, and we just want to dive into what the word actually says how the word de- how the Bible defines masculinity and how Christians should respond to the toxic masculinity mindset that so permeates our culture today yeah. so Without further ado, um, we've got a lot of verses to cover and go through. So if you're reading along with us, um, just know that we'll be hopping around just a little bit. But I promise we've got a flow. Um, Just stick with us. It's going to be good. Mm -hmm. But all right. So before we really dive in and dive into the word, um, let's just talk about it first. Right. So biblical masculinity. What do you guys, how would you guys define that? Well, I I think. From a Christian perspective, I would have to start with, as, as a Christian, you're going to have to start with the Bible, right? Yeah. So you got to go to the Bible. And in the Bible, you you know me, you're going to go to Genesis. Yeah. So before anybody messes it up, right? Before a man abuses a woman, mm-hmm. puts a woman, quote, in her place, a woman's place is barefooted, pregnant, and in the kitchen, before any of that, right? masculinity started in God's mind. Because when he made Adam, he didn't ask for any opinions. Mm-hmm. He just said, "I let us make man in our image. So the moment he makes man in his image, we have to start with masculinity is, is the mind of God. Mm-hmm. And when he makes a woman, you have femininity, which is the mind of God. What better way to destroy that image than to take the masculinity that's the mind of God and over time, because mm-hmm. we're human, we make the very thing that should be a testimony, a man in a garden doing the will of God into something that's toxicity. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't take humans long to mess things up, right? So I think anytime we talk, well, what is masculinity? If we're not careful, we try to define it from uh, scriptures after the sin or experiences, what my father did to me, mm-hmm. what, what my husband's done to me, what culture does to women. Mm. Uh, and so if you're not careful, you, you may get right definitions or, or definitions that kind of build the case for you. But right. if you're ever going to talk about masculinity, you, you have to start at the plumb line before mm. we messed it up. Right. And the plumb line is it's masculinity is divine it's holy, it's godly, it's his wisdom, and I would tag on to that. So is femininity. Mm-hmm. Both are the divine mind of God. We wouldn't have thought it up. We can screw it up, mm-hmm. but we would have never thought it up. Right. So I would say your answer, what is, what is biblical masculinity? It's the divine wisdom of God that shows up in the 
male species that produces the, um, I would say the seed, you know, the woman carries the seed, the man, the sperm that, that holds within himself the ability to propagate the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So I would start with the divine masculinity is the divine mind of God that carries forth the potential to move God's kingdom forward. Wow. I like that. Yeah. I like that you said um, divine because so often in our culture, you know, we've diminished masculinity to, you know, oh, it's it's not important. It's not needed. It's not relevant. Um, it's something that needs to be changed. It's something that needs to be altered. It's something that needs to be fixed. But when you come from the position of, no, this was God's idea first and this is God's design meant to be here you know like i think that that make that really should shift your perspective if you call and if you call masculinity it, like it sounds so vulgar mm-hmm. it's a divine design of god right yeah. and, and you put the word divine with a masculinity it automatically messes with people's mind like oh there there they go yeah yeah but if you if you parse that out right mm-hmm. the divine mind of god so masculinity mm-hmm. is the divine mind of god in a male, right? Mm-hmm. Parse it out, future, problem, sin. What you have today, that the reason we call it toxic mm-hmm. is men think they're still divine. Mm-hmm. And so they rule over a woman. Right. They they put her in her place. They and that may come through abuse. It may come through verbal abuse, emotional abuse, because I'm the man. You should listen to me. I I'm in charge. God made me to be, especially in the Christian world, made me to be the head. Right. So if we're not careful, the man, the male can take that thought, the divine mind of God, but when you add flesh to it, it's not divine, it's toxic. Mm-hmm. So the only way to keep the male species producing what God intended us to produce, which was a beautiful outcome between a man and a woman. The only hope we have is the, is the Holy Spirit. Right. Because what can calm a man down so that his divinity doesn't become fleshly Mm. so that I don't ordain myself as my own God. Myself is my God now. Mm. So I have to have the Holy Spirit. So I think the question of what is toxic masculinity and all of this thing I don't necessarily think it's a cultural thing or uh, how I was raised or abused or what my daddy taught me about women. It, for a Christian, it boils down to a man that refuses to allow the Holy Spirit fruit in his life. Wow, that's so good. Yeah, that is. And we just talked about the Holy Spirit and its fruit and what that looks like. And, you know, we've we've been very clear. We've definitely, you know, walked that road multiple times on the podcast already about what the fruit of the spirit looks like and what it doesn't look like. Um, I like that you tied that into, I like that you tied that in because really when you look at it, that's what matters. Like as a Christian, am I living by those fruits or if I'm, or am I living by the flesh? And when a man says, well, you know, especially a Christian man, because I think if we're not careful, a Christian man can quote scriptures and go to church, but he's toxic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he can do whatever a man can, uh, you know, but the reason he's toxic is he may know all the theories and the formulas of Christian behavior, mm. but he doesn't, he doesn't possess the fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. So it's why you can find a lot of men that quote are anointed mm-hmm. and God uses them, but their, their marriage is hell. Mm-hmm. Their wife's beat down. Their children don't even serve the Lord. Mm -hmm. So, and you wonder, well, gosh, how could this wonderful human of a man not even have kids that respect him and serve the Lord or the wife that is 
just because I can be a Christian and toxic at the same time if I don't walk by the Spirit. Wow. Do you think that there are Christians today who are really good at imitating but not at intimacy with the Lord? Well, absolutely. I mean, yes, I think that would be self-evident. Just look around. Right. Because a better question would be, rather than that, well, that was a good question. I didn't mean it that way. But perhaps the the other side of the mirror is not do is intimacy part of the formula but but to be honest even people listening right now be honest how many human beings do you know that legit live intimate spirit led fruit led lives right and i bet the list is low yeah. yeah. Right. If we're honest, yeah. even among the Christian world, yeah. marriages are hurting, broken, fighting. Uh, divorce is rampant in the body of Christ. I, I, last I read is like some 57%. Yeah. So the, the better question is where, where can, can we even count the intimate people today? The mm-hmm. love of people growing cold. And anytime that happens, anything we choose today, we could choose anything. We could talk about money. Mm-hmm. And we could say it becomes toxic when you don't live by the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think it's a great buzzword today yeah. for people to use to kind of get their social justice out there. And though it's true, there's just a lot of hell in the masculine feminine world today mm-hmm. that hurts a lot of people. But I love what you just said. It, you know, it downgrades men so much mm-hmm. that men are even afraid to be men today. Right. We're afraid to be masculine because it's going to come across that I'm a toxic. I'm afraid to be masculine because I've been so feminized by the world to just, you know, women from the 1960s to present become strong. And that's no problem. Mm-hmm. Right. But men, not not the fact that women became strong, but men became weak. Right. Mm-hmm. We, we bellied up. We left the marriage. We left the children. We chased after the addictions and. Uh, you know, so the the flip flop is in the 1960s, you had a stronger families, maybe nuclear, maybe not in theory, but nuclear. Dad was home. Mom was home with the kids, mm-hmm. which is a toxic masculinity philosophy. The mom stays home. Yeah. The dad works. You know, that's that toxic. Oh, keep a woman in her place. But truly, if you go back and just statistically look before the woman was forced to it by my belief, like governmental programs and things like that that shoved her into the workforce and said, mm-hmm. don't worry, the government will take care of your kids. Right. The school will take care of your kids. The, right. You know, or the programs will take care of your kids, which is wonderful. Women are brilliant and have, have much to offer just as a man in the workforce or wherever. But the end result becomes great. The woman's working, the man's working, but what happened Mm-hmm. Is it the woman became more masculine? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out here and by God and work the top of the ladder. Great. The man became more feminine mm-hmm. and, and the, and the home was destroyed. Yeah. Yes. You know, because for a man to stay home and help so mom can go work, mm-hmm. he's looked at as a weak man right. in culture. Oh, yeah. you're a stay at home dad. Mm-hmm. Well, that's toxic. Well, what if I wanted to stay home because my wife makes a better salary than me? Right. And maybe she's in med school and she's going to make a killing. So I'm going to stay with the kids. But our culture says he's a weak man, mm-hmm. you know. So it sets everything up for failure yep. that it's very difficult to talk about in theory because people come at it with such perception already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No matter what. 
no yeah. matter what. Mm-hmm. So do you believe that men and women were created differently for a reason? Um, we haven't super touched on this um, in various in this in this podcast particularly, but there is conversation lately that I've seen pop up a lot more that women even are created to be on a 28 month cycle where our hormones go up and down and you know like it's not linear versus men are on a 24 7 cycle where they you know they pretty much stay the same um, they don't really go through phases with their emotions or testosterone or anything like that but women are built physiologically different um, than men so that even plays into okay well a woman wasn't super created to work 40 hours a week and to do all the things that society now expects women to do along with taking care of children, doing the housework, doing all that stuff, feeding their families and all that stuff. And so what you have is women getting burnt out and wondering why, and then wondering why our birth rates are lower and wondering why, you know, like so many women are unsatisfied even within their marriages or within their lives. And then the men on the other hand are competing now with not just other men, but with women. And instead of, you know, doing, Doing the things that they sh- could be doing or should be doing, they end up numbing themselves with whether that's video games, pornography, anything like that. And so the question becomes: Okay, God created us male and female, like you were saying in Genesis. That's the that's the basis. So He created us male and female, mm-hmm. and it was good. So, do you think that within society? there's a place for that, that there's a place for those roles. Um, I know you kind of touched on women being homemakers and men going to provide. Do you think that there is a place and a reason for that? Or do you think that, you know, we as a society have kind of just gotten it wrong? I go back again to Genesis. If I start now in 2023 to define it, I come up with a different definition or answer than if I go beginning of time and define it. So, Mm If I start now in 2023, no, it doesn't matter what we say. Culture defines the role of a woman and a man. Mm-hmm. If you go down to uh, Columbia and you go in a town, that culture, that town, women have a role to play. Mm-hmm. It's kind of in, in Mexico, it's machismo. The men are very macho mm-hmm. and women have their place. But if you leave there and go to another culture, Japan or China, every culture whether we like it or not, define spoken or unspoken the role of a man and a woman mm-hmm. it, by how you grow up and maybe not even the culture, the neighborhood mm-hmm. within your 50 feet, how you grew up, your local family of what that was like. Uh, if we go up to Pennsylvania and look at the Amish and we say, well, let's define the role of women and men with the Amish, right? Well, their biblical beliefs, religious beliefs, and cultural beliefs are going to look distinctly different from the family that lives two miles away right? who is raising their kids in a culture. So from our perspective, culture defines the role of man and woman. In America, we're just perverted to the point that the government's defining it for us right? and, and, a, and a propaganda. Mm-hmm. It's not culture, it's propaganda so that you don't even, can't even say man, woman, male, female anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but, so that's how I would start there that whether we like it or not, you could go into another culture with your thinking of women and Nessa could go thinking, this is how it is in my church, in my town and in my home, my culture. And then we could all fly over to Romania and get over there 
those women are not going to think like American women about the role of a woman. Right. It's right? very different. So, so now let's go from the beginning of time and, and roles. When God made male and female, he, he had to make both because he said it would take both to be my image. Mm-hmm. So female is just as divine, if not, I will say as divine as a man because they both present themselves as the perfect reflection of God. Yeah, that's so good. And I always yeah. say the devil never tempted Adam anyway till the woman came along because mm-hmm. that was the perfected image of God he wanted to touch. Mm-hmm. So God, you know, we kind of say, well, is God male or female? Because he made both. The reason he made male and female is so that we could understand the concept of being one. Mm-hmm. We could understand mm-hmm. that there's these two very distinct beings that respond very differently to life that bring a different perspective and a different view that had different ways of handling things and different ways of dealing with uh, intricate details. A woman will see things totally different than a man. And, and, And even in perceptions, many women have a much greater internalized perceptor than men. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's their vibe. They can feel it. A woman will say it's an intuition. Mm -hmm. Whether we like that or not, typically across the board, women have a much greater (laughs) intuition about things. Mm -hmm. So go back to the beginning. God designed it because it, it was showing that we needed each other. I needed the female side so that I could accomplish God's will because she could see things I couldn't see. She would be aware in ways I couldn't be aware. And same for me, we were to work together, right? Mm -hmm. We were to be one. Mm -hmm. So, well, if you're one, then toxic masculinity should not be an issue because we're one. Mm -hmm. I could not be toxic because I'm one with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we're one together. So the only way I can be toxic is to be two people. And it's mm-hmm. my opinions over you, my power over you, my agenda over you. But God started them with one, meaning there was no agenda of them. The them was a us and the us was God. Mm-hmm. So the enemy steps in and basically takes the woman whose perceptions. So if we want to know the power of femininity, it didn't start in the 1960s. It started in the garden. I don't need this man. I have desires on my own, way apart from him. Mm -hmm. I have things I can accomplish without him. That's why she's talking to the serpent. But at the same time, Adam is right there with her. So even in the garden, what we see is not that she's not submitted to Adam or he's unsubmitted to her and she's a Jezebel. What we see is is the one have turned into two different people. They, they quit thinking like one because now her conversations are not with her husband. Her conversation is with a serpent mm. and he's not conversating with her to help her accomplish the kingdom. So before there was ever a sin, Lucifer was playing on this male and female role mm. and, and there was no role given by God. Originally, the role given by God is both the woman and the man were to reproduce, mm-hmm. and they were multiply. both to multiply, yeah. and they were both to take dominion. Yeah. So God never intimated that it was the man that would take dominion. They had to do it together. Mm-hmm. They had to rule together. They had to multiply together. It's only after the sin that God steps in and in a crazy way defines these roles, but mm-hmm. the roles he defines are from the curse. Right. So any role we have right now as husbands, wives, men and women, it originates from the curse mm-hmm. because the original role of a man and woman was the same. Mm-hmm. 
The man and woman worked together. He had the sperm. She had the egg. They were to dominate, raise children, take dominion over the earth, and rule and reign together. Together. Yeah. Well, mess it up, and what do you have? Listen to what God, this is God's statement of the roles of of the woman. He says in verse 16 of Genesis 3, I'm going to sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Well, that shows the role of a woman. She bears the child, right? Mm-hmm. A man doesn't. She does. And then God says, and in pain, you'll give birth. So the woman already now has the role that in this male-female, she's going to carry the human, mm-hmm. right? So, which is what we're fighting over now, the whole can a man have a baby, and it's all about the womb, right? right. And he said, and your desire, and you will desire to control your husband. Mm-hmm. So now we've already got God letting us know it was the curse that put this animosity between us. Mm-hmm. You want to control me. And then it says this, but he will rule over you. Mm-hmm. So right in Genesis 3.16, we've got toxic masculinity. And it's not connected to Adam being a terrible human or to Eve being this horrible woman. It's connected to the curse. Yeah, to sin. And the curse is you're going to want to rule over him and control him, but he's going to dominate you. Mm -hmm. So again, what is the only hope we have? We must be born again. Mm -hmm. Because if I get born again, I don't want to rule over you. And if you get born again, you don't want to control me because you want the Holy Spirit to control you and I want the Holy Spirit to rule me. Mm -hmm. So the only hope is born again by the Holy Spirit, because without it, you'll all, you, but women will always want to control the man right. through manipulation, sex, pouting, mm-hmm. hollering, screaming, slamming doors. And the man will always want to rule over her. Don't mm-hmm. you tell me what to do. I'm the man. You're the woman. That may be punching, verbal abuse, controlling with money and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and then God turns around to the man and gives him his role. Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree that I commanded you, the ground is cursed and all your life. You're going to struggle to scratch a living from it. And by the sweat of your brow, you'll have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. Mm-hmm. So even God says that the man's role is going to be, he's going to slave his whole life. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So God even kind of intimated, now the man's going to have to go out here and just bust hump, but that's part of the curse. Yeah. You know? And so not that men shouldn't work, but that this duality of such hatred between the two, the two, you know, male and female, and that we can't get along and we argue, Uh, you know, you heard Nessa making a joke, (laughs) but it's true. I've been married 33 years and, and you would think that a man and a woman who love each other could just get along. Right, right. But all of our cultural upbringings, what we think about women, how my daddy treated my mama, how my mama told me what women should do and not do, what the church has done, what preachers have done, what the culture's done, what propaganda in our culture, what movies do to women, what porn does to men. what, And then we sit here and go, well, toxic masculinity is a problem. The real problem is just sinful behavior. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and people not living by the fruit of the spirit yeah. that are Christian, of course. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The whole, the world will always be the world. Yes. But Christians are called to a higher standard of living. You yeah. know, we're called to reflect Christ in everything we do. And um, you, I'll give you, you a great uh, dilemma, an ethical dilemma that it's challenging to think through. When I was in missions class for my training, I was taking a cultural anthropology course and a mission missiology course. And the question was proposed, if we went to a culture in the middle of the jungle and we met it, they had never heard of Christ. 
And we come into this culture and we introduce Christ. And they say yes to Christ. Like by some profound thing, they say yes to God. But the chief is married to eight women. And he gets born again. And in their culture, to have eight women is a sign of status. Mm -hmm. It's a sign of honor. It's even a sign for the woman to be chosen by the chief to be honored. Uh, She's part of what we would call the harem. But in that culture, it is a great honor and a great thing. But the biblical culture is how dare him Mm -hmm. have eight wives. That's so perverted. It's one God, one, one woman, one man. What do you do? Do you go in and tell that chief he's toxic masculinity because the Bible says one man and destroy those women who now will have no way to be paid or taken care of and become whores rather than wives. Now he has to pick one of them. Mm-hmm. And then most of them have probably had children with him. So now the children don't have a father. So it lends itself that a lot of times it's easy to quote scripture, but it's quite vast another thing that when we go into the world, that God did not come to change culture. He came to change hearts. Mm-hmm. And so what we have to do is say we, we're patient till the heart of men are changed yeah. because we can try all our best to change the laws. Maybe they work. We can change voting laws and they work. And now women can vote and women can work and women can leave their kids in daycare for 30 hours and the government will pay for it. But the end of result is no matter how many laws we pass to make life better, is, is it really better? Like, there's more divorce now. There's more children without fathers. There's more broken marriages. And we have more laws than we've ever had in the world to protect human rights, to protect women's rights. Uh, And I look at all that and say, yeah, we got all of those rights, social justice, but did it really make things better? In some ways, yes. Racially, yes. And for women, yes, they can vote. But I'm not talking about just superficial service, but the heart of people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's why you need law because the hearts of people are bad. Right. So the goal of toxic masculinity is I'm always going to land on a heart change. Yeah. I think if a man is being toxic toward a woman, we have a jerk of a man that needs to meet God and his mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to people who would use the argument that toxic masculinity isn't just a person thing, but it's a patriarchal thing it's it a is. societal thing it is. it's it's everything that we touch that all the laws we've um made all the you know controversy all the problems the news the tv everything is patriarchal and that's oppressive you mm-hmm. know what would you say to that argument that okay well it's not just one man it's not just one bad seed or it's not just one bad person it's the whole system that needs to go Mm-hmm. It won't ever that? go. Yeah. The whole system will never go. It's God when Adam sinned, and by the time we get to Moses, there's a passage of Scripture that said that men died all the way up to Moses even though there was no law. Mm. They were held guilty, but there was no law yet. There's no Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. But men still died, mm-hmm. and they, they were judged off of the sin of Adam even though there were no laws. Mm. So. What do we say is, is that, no, it's never going to change because the hearts of men are dark. Mm-hmm. It'll change when Jesus returns. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what we have to do is rather than looking at 
you know, it's a systemic issue. Absolutely, because the systemic problem is sinful behavior. That's so good. And that sinful behavior comes into the church because we're human. And then that sinful behavior gets into men who are very arrogant and they dominate the church. They won't let women talk. They put women in their place, even though it's a Christian environment, because it's it started with a root problem of a man and it became systemic. Mm -hmm. And the only way it can change is to be born again. Mm -hmm. And the answer to the systemic problem of toxic masculinity should be the church. Yeah. Because the church is, there is no male or female. Mm -hmm. There is no Jew or Gentile. We're one. We're one in Christ, and we represent the love of Jesus to the world the way a man loves a woman. But but the church is just as toxic as the world. Mm -hmm. And we were to be the answer. We were to say, let us show you how men should love women. Mm -hmm. But yet the church perverts that, and women just stay in the kitchen and stay in the nursery. And we men... Uh, there's a whole denomination now that's about to split because they can't decide if women should be able to be pastors or not or right. hold a role of leadership or not. And then they argue the Bible about it, right? And they argue biblical scriptures. Well, it means this. No, it doesn't. It means that. And it's kind of like they're just arguing over what their interpretation is. Mm-hmm. The end result is a systemic problem from the curse. Mm-hmm. And I don't see it. The only way it changes is one heart at a time. Mm-hmm. Because think this through. A lot of people pick on the Bible for this, but there was there was slavery in the Bible, right? Like right. Paul writes to Philemon and says, look, Onesimus, mm-hmm. like you, you need to take him back. And I try to tell people, and they're like, oh, God, see, God, God permitted slavery. I'm like, you're missing the point of God. God did not come to change the laws of culture. Mm-hmm. He came to change the hearts. Yeah. Because no matter what Paul says, slavery was permitted. Mm-hmm. So rather than Paul trying to go to Caesar and go, we need to change these laws of slavery, which I guess he could have. Here we're trying to do that even still today. He said to Philemon, check your heart. Mm-hmm. Because even though slavery is a, is a legal thing, you don't need to treat him like a slave. You need to treat him like a brother. Mm-hmm. So Paul tells us that systemic problems will always be here. But the way we deal with them is through biblical being born again, yeah. mm-hmm. brother and sister in Christ. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about that a little bit with Solomon and his many wives. Like yep. the Bible does not condone polyamory or anything like that. It was just simply a symptom of the culture of the time. It's not to say that, you know, everything that the Bible says about that kind of thing is irrelevant or anything like that. It's just culture, but we need to not live by culture. We need to live by Christ. Yeah, because the entire Old Testament is God inserting himself into culture, Mm -hmm. giving laws and obey me, because what he wanted out of the laws and the obedience is to prove to all the other cultures that his was better. Mm -hmm. The reason his kids are healthier, the reason they're not perverted Mm -hmm. is they follow his ways. Right. And they were to stand out. They were to be totally different among all the other nations that this is the God of all gods. And look at their people. They're so different. They don't intermarry with everybody else. You know, we look at that as, oh, my God, you know, you can't marry another race. It wasn't about racial marriage. It was that God wanted his people to be distinctly different than the world. But he, but the challenge of that is they couldn't be different by being born again and having a different heart. They could only be different by obeying a law. Mm-hmm. And those laws, whether what they should eat or not eat or dress or not dress, was to make them different. Mm -hmm. We know in the New Testament that that was all futile. Mm 
The law did nothing except stimulate him to be worse. So by the time you get to Jesus, he's the one that goes, well, okay, let me kind of tell you the reality. The reality was one man, one woman. Yes, he had 700 wives, but the reality was not that. The reality is the reason he had 700 wives is he couldn't control his flesh because flesh can only be controlled by the spirit, Mm -hmm. not the law. The law only stimulates that, Mm -hmm. you know? Even God tried to say, don't covet your neighbor's wife. Well, my God, how many women do you have to have before you go, I might be coveting, (laughs) you know? So he's breaking the law, which that was God's point. We're to read the Old Testament that all these heroes were lawbreakers. Yeah. And the reason they were lawbreakers, their heart had never changed. Mm. And I think what we do in the New Testament is we've just lost it and we go back to keeping rules and lawbreakers versus non-lawbreakers versus you must be born again. Mm -hmm. And if you're acting like a jerk still, then you're probably not born again because you should be bearing fruit to prove you've been born again. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people with their names on the roll, with their little baptism certificate, with their little confession that they've made Jesus Lord, but there's no fruit. Mm -hmm. So that's a systemic problem. Yeah. And for some men, that systemic problem, they're going to become gay. They're going to become feminine. They're going to become toxic they're, because that's what sin does. Yeah. I, I laugh. Y'all know it, it, you've been here long enough. My toxic trait is not abusing my wife. Mm-hmm. I adore her. I would never speak loud to her, raise my voice. But my toxic trait of masculinity, I'm a powder. That's toxic. Yeah. I don't cuss her out. I don't slam doors. I don't raise my voice. I provide for her. I work. I do everything I can do to show her I love her. But I am a toxic man because you <laughs> let me pout and it becomes toxic. Right. But I tricked myself. Mm-hmm. I said, well, that's not as bad as cussing. Mm-hmm. That's not as bad. And then I realized it's it's worse. Yeah. It's a silent killer. Mm-hmm. You know, so we think toxic masculinity is this man throat punching a woman and throwing her to the floor and not letting her leave the house. You can be a toxic man and never say a word. Mm -hmm. You can just ignore your wife and that's toxic. Yeah. You know, what do we say? Passive aggressive. Yes. You know, that's toxic. Okay. So to close us out. Um, I have just this one question because, as you know, we don't like to leave you guys hanging. We like mm-hmm. to give practical advice. Yeah. So how can we not only be, and I'm speaking in parentheses, <laughs> how can we be biblically biblical masculine men and how can we raise biblically masculine men in this day and age? First, a man has to humble himself. Mm no matter how rich he is, how good looking he is, how prominent he is at work or in his community or whatever talent he possesses or accolade hanging on his wall, pride goeth before a fall. And God says, if you'll humble yourself and call unto me, right? So where do we start? Number one, humble yourself. Mm -hmm. Tell God that you need his help. Tell God that you are a jerk. Uh, somebody asked me about Sunday's message. They called me on the phone and they said, that was a powerful message about Noah, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, thank you so much. And they, they made the comment. They said, I don't know where you come up with all the stuff you come up with. Your mind amazes me, right? I just start laughing like, oh, Lord, <laughs> I like donuts, you know? <laughs> but I said and thought, because I thought I need to give a, an answer that's not a joke. And I said, well, to be honest with you, I'm desperate. I said, I'm desperate to know his thoughts. I'm desperate to know his mind. So I'm not just showing up on Sunday going, well, I hope I've got something. 
like all week long, I'm asking for the mind of God. I have this weird sleep cycle where about every morning at 412, my body wakes up, right? I don't know if it's because I have to go to the bathroom or the dog, but whatever. I lay in bed, and as I lay there before I doze back off, I'll say to God, God, what do you want out of me? What do I need to do today to please you? So to answer your question, I would say every male on planet Earth that is a Christian should start with humility. Mm-hmm. You're not as awesome as you think you are. You need God. You need to humble yourself under his mighty hand. Number two, you should have some time in your day where you stop long enough to go, God, what do you want out of my life? Number three, if you're married, you should have some moment where you say, God, help me to love like you love me. Okay. If you just do those three things, I bet the marriage would flip greatly so much children would comment the wife would comment you know i'm i'm i want to humble myself i'm not all that the world doesn't revolve around me god whatever you need me just tell me use me talk to me help me and then lord teach me how to love my wife so that when other people see me they see you yeah i think those are the three practical things i would say so good humble help teach yes mm-hmm. love it but all right that is all the time we have for today you guys um we're gonna go ahead and close in prayer and then we will see you guys next week um pastor mark you want to pray for us oh i would love it so god thank you so much for everybody that has taken the time to listen jesus said that when we would hear that it would fall on ground our heart and and then jesus intimated that all of our hearts are at a different place Depending on our heart depends on how we've heard it and how long it lasts in our lives. So my prayer is that what we've said will be lasting fruit. It won't just wither away. It it won't be gone tomorrow with the next fight, but it will be lasting fruit that we'll look back and even people that hear this will comment on, hey, I did this and my life changed. And I give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you guys so much. And we'll see you next week.